0: Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Verses 1 through 14. Scripture reads, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Savannah and Corey. There is so much going on here in the life of Orange, and it takes a whole army to make that, all of these things kind of happen. So, thank you for the ways that you have stepped up and volunteered and assisted. Thank you for the ways that you have demonstrated remarkable generosity to enable us to continue to be making a difference here in our community. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And as we have surrendered our time to you this morning, Lord, we've pressed pause on the busyness of our lives on this cold, rainy, dreary morning. We draw close to you. And so now in these moments, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us in surprising ways. Break through the walls and the barriers that we have put up. Allow us to hear and receive a word that helps transform us from deep within. So, Lord, transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they penetrate our hearts, may they become the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I really don't think that there's any other passage in Scripture that has been taken as much out of context and applied in a way that brings much more harm than any good than this particular passage of Scripture. See, everything has context. Everything has context. And when you take things out of context then you're really missing a huge understanding. You're missing a huge part when you take things so much out of context. For example, let's say that you're watching a basketball game. Scratch that. We're not going to talk about basketball. Let's say that it's Super Bowl today. So let's say you're watching the Super Bowl, and you walk in, and let's say you see one team attempt a field goal, and it's wide right. And if you haven't been watching the game at all, if you haven't seen the score, you may think, oh no, my team is doomed. You're taking it out of context. However, if you've been sitting and watching the entire game and your team, is, the one that misses the field goal, is already up by 28 points or more, then you know that that missed field goal is not as bad of a situation. You understand the full context, you know the whole story. Too many times, we take Scripture out of context. We take one particular verse, and we do not understand the full meaning of that verse because we neglect to look at the entire passage, or we even neglect to look at the situation and the people that that passage was written to. And so, context is everything, and I think it's important that we may need to truly understand the context. And so, these past several weeks, we've been going through the Gospel of John and considering the I Am statements. These statements that Jesus identified him in a certain unique way. And as he identified himself as the bread of life, the light of the world, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life today we look at how Jesus identified himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And so let's set up the context here. Let's look back at just a few chapters. So last week, as we looked at the story of Lazarus and how Jesus called him forth, for he is the resurrection and the life. And as he called Lazarus forth, suddenly in John chapter 11, there is a plot once again to kill Jesus. Now, we had just heard about that plot, first plot in John chapter 10, when they had tried to take up stones, preparing to kill him right then. But Jesus and his disciples fled and escaped. But now, as they have come to restore for the resurrection of Lazarus, Once again, this plot is manifesting itself. And so once again, they're ready to kill them. The Pharisees actually even give orders that anyone who knows where Jesus is, they need to let them know. So Jesus, as of John chapter 11, he can no longer just walk openly and plainly among the Jews. And then when we transition to John chapter 12, we have this beautiful scene where Mary, sister of Lazarus, comes and anoints Jesus with this costly perfume. She wipes his feet or their hair. Judas, Judas protests, but Jesus says that how she had bought it for her burial, for his burial, and the plot to kill Lazarus begins to, come about because they couldn't have this man that once was dead and now is alive, has been called forth from the tomb by Jesus. They can't have him just walking around because he's living proof of what Jesus is, the resurrection. And so there is this plot to kill Lazarus. And then as we continue in John chapter 12, we have the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Then in John chapter 13, we have Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room and there he washes their feet and Jesus foretells his betrayal and he gives that new commandment that new commandment that they would love one another even as he has loved them he foretells john not uh, peter's own denial and now we get to John chapter 14. And those first words are, do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> you know, when you tell someone, don't be afraid or don't worry, do not let your hearts be troubled, there's a reason you're telling someone that. It's because they're worried, they're afraid, they're troubled. They're troubled. And Jesus tells them about how he is going to go and to prepare a place for him I re- you, many of you may remember this passage of scripture from the King James version in my father's house there are many mansions in my father's house there are many dwelling places in my father's house there are many rooms I go and I prepare a place for you and I will take you to myself so that where I am where I am you, you may be also. Now, poor Thomas. Once again, I think he's probably one of my favorite people in all of Scripture because Thomas isn't going to front. He's not going to put on something fake. He's just going to be real. And if he doesn't believe something, if he doesn't understand something, he's just going to put it out there. And so Thomas says, Lord, how can we know where you're going if we don't even how can we even know the way? You're saying that we're gonna be where you are? How can we know where you're going? How can we know the way? And to put it another way, if we don't know where you're going, how can we know where to go? He's lost. I'm gonna take just a minute and ask you a question. Have you ever really been lost? Think about it. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe your GPS or for some of us old like myself, we remember the days before the GPS when they used to have these things called maps and we'd have to try to find our way to navigate from one place to another. Many times we would find ourselves lost. It seems here that Thomas is lost, but I don't think Thomas is the only one. In fact, we often find ourselves lost. Sometimes we're lost and we simply refuse to admit it. (laughs) Several years ago, my wife and I were going to be out of town, and so my mom and dad came and stayed at the house to be able to take care of our sons as they were still so young. And that day when they were off at school, my mom and dad decided to go for a walk through the town. Now, as years before, they had lived in that same particular town, Dad thought he knew his way around, and Dad is probably watching this right now, and so I look forward to rediscussing this later tonight. As they began making their way through town, they took one turn and another turn, and soon they were completely lost. Mom was so frustrated with Dad as they were so far away from the house and they had no idea of how to get back. Fortunately, I believe I remember Dad saying that they saw a police officer and they were able to wave him down and get directions of how to get back home. But you know, to be able to admit that you're lost, that's, that's a hard thing to do. We have this thing called pride that's in our lives so many times. And as broken as we may be, as lost as we may actually feel. We don't want to admit it. We don't want somebody else to see that we have no idea where we are. We have no idea where we are in life. We have no idea where it all went wrong. We just want everyone to look at us and not see that we are lost. You know, it's funny. I've, I've experienced those kind of moments being in church <laughs> See, back in the day, boys and girls, we used to actually gather on Sunday mornings in person. And the preacher might be preaching a message that was meant for no one else in the room but me. And as those words convict and break my heart, I feel this pull, this longing to go down and pray. But I know the moment I step out from the chairs, step out from the pews... And make my way to the front to kneel and pray. I know that there's going to be a whole lot of eyeballs on me. And so I don't want anyone else to be looking at me and wondering. Hmm, wonder what he did wrong. I wonder how he got so lost. And so I stay. I stay right there. Sometimes we are lost. And we don't want to admit it. But sometimes... Sometimes we're lost, we just don't know it yet. Sometimes we we think we're going in the right direction in life and we just don't even have a clue how lost we truly are. Back when I was in college, I played in a a band and we were having a new person come and to try out, to audition to play in our band and we told that individual where to go. We were practicing at a certain location in a city off of I-95 and this person got in their car and they drove and they're driving on I-95 Except the problem is, instead of heading north on I-95, they were driving south on I-95. Now, this was before the days of cell phones. And so he had to find a payphone and call us from South Carolina as he had headed completely in the wrong direction. He eventually got there a few hours later. And as he did, he said he was just driving along, listening to music. He had no clue that he was heading completely in the wrong direction. He was lost, and he didn't even know it yet. You know, sometimes as Christians, we go through the motions so much that we're, we're cruising along in life. And we think that our faith is strong, but as everything's just going along so smoothly and so easily, that faith isn't even tested. And so we're just driving through life on cruise control. We don't really make an intentional point to connect with God. We don't actually read His Word. We don't participate in a small group. We neglect being a part of a group of others that we can learn from and help hold us accountable. And Maybe sometimes things are going so smooth that we even neglect worship as a part of our lives. And then we hit traffic. (laughs) Then... Bad things start to happen in our lives. And something happens that maybe shakes our faith to the point that we finally do realize. I've strayed for too long. I'm lost. And sometimes we're so far lost that we just give up altogether. It's just easier to quit. We've been going in the wrong direction for so long. What's the point of even turning around now on my own? I'm lost. And we don't know the way. And so Thomas's words they might very well be our own words. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And there to John to Thomas's question, Jesus answers, I am the way for the lost. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, he says, if you know me, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him because you've seen me. And here we find that in this scripture... Thomas isn't the only one that's lost. Philip, he's still lost also because he says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. See, when we see Jesus, we see the way that he's lived, the way that he has loved. We see the way that he has sacrificed, the way that he has healed the sick, the way that he ate with sinners, the way that he fed the hungry. We see, when we look at Jesus, the way. We see the truth. We see the life. Jesus says, I am Yahweh. I am the way, the road, the path. It's me, he says. You know, I think it's beautiful that early followers of Jesus Christ were identified in a particular way. They were called the way. They were known not just as Christians. They weren't known as Christians just yet. They were known as the way. Because of the way that they loved the way that they lived the way that they sacrificed the way that they fed the hungry healed the sick and ate with sinners the way they did more than just profess it with their lips was a the life they lived and for us that is the life that Jesus calls us to that is the road that is the path that is the way And so maybe you've been on cruise control for far too long. Maybe you have drifted astray. You don't want to admit it. Nobody wants to admit it. But the beautiful thing is, there's nobody around you right now except maybe your loved ones, your family. Maybe today is that day that, that we can say, you know what? For too long, I have neglected the intentional work of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I'm the way. And too many times we've quit looking at the roadmap to know which way we should be ordering our lives. I want to invite you today. Let's no longer be lost. Let's follow the one that calls us, the one who offers us the way, the truth, and the life. Let us pray. God, in your grace and in your mercy, you seek out the lost. And far too many times, Lord, in our own complacency, we have found ourselves having gone astray. Lord, I pray today that we would no longer be content living a life that is not full in you. I pray that today we might be able to find ourselves admitting how lost we have truly become. And as we hear that call, Lord, may we commit ourselves to following the way, accepting the truth, and living the life that is found only through you. We pray this today in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.